Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome back to another edition of Shelter on Base, Carmen Therese Cole Anthony, and our guest today, a man who needs no introduction, the voice, or one of the voices, of the San Francisco Giants, Mike Kruko. Kruk! Yay! Hey, Therese is there. Nice going. Well, thanks, Anthony, for that, uh, that opener. Carmen, Cole, good to see you guys. Oh, good to see you. Uh, oh. I'm missing baseball. I'm missing it a lot. Y'all are. <laughs> we miss it a lot. Mike, I just want to tell you, I've been a Giants fan for a very long time. I've probably heard your voice more times than I've heard my parents' voice in my lifetime. We <laughs> start talking about the voice of the Giants. I rank fifth. It's John Miller, Dwayne Kuyper, Dave Fleming, Rennell Brooks-Moon, and then me. So you've got to stand wow. up and be the voice of the Giants. Top five's not bad. That's not bad. There's a lot of top five lists. You're one off of Mount Rushmore, basically. You're fine. Exactly. They left me off. <laughs> uh, baseball fans, I know I was excited. We finally had some baseball content on Sunday. There was the 30 for 30 long gone summer on the home run chase between McGuire and Sosa. Giants fans know a little bit about home run chases themselves. Barry Bonds was chasing McGuire back in 2001. He was chasing H Hank Aaron in, two, in uh, 2007. What do you remember about Bonds' chase? Well, it was it was so exciting, and uh, you know, in two thousand one, um, when it was all going down, I mean, that was right when when nine one one happened, and uh, and I didn't know how we were going to get back on track. I mean, it, it, we're kind of we're, we're going through a similar situation now with COVID. You just don't know how you're going to get back to normal. I mean, and the tragedy of nine one one was such an emotional time, and uh, we were in Houston when. You know, we and we were stranded in Houston. We couldn't get out of Houston. You know, the, there was no charter flight. There was no flights leaving. There was so much that we didn't know. We didn't know if this was going to be the first of many attacks, or we didn't know what was going to happen. So, you know, we just kind of hunkered down. And and when I first heard about, uh, you know, the nine one one, I mean, we didn't think about Barry Bonds. And up to that point, that's all we thought about. Yeah. And uh, when we got back on the field, it was such an emotional thing. And then, uh, and then the Bonds, I mean, he got us back on track. And, and that, I'll never forget that. We needed it. We needed baseball. We needed, to, we needed to have somebody catch our imagination. And that's exactly what he did. And it was a beautiful thing to watch. What about in 2007 when he was uh, chasing Hank Aaron? Anything you remember about that? Any memories? Well, you know, there was – you know, we kept everywhere you went. I mean, we, we were the bad guys. The Giants were the bad guys. We were the guys in the black hats. And uh, it, it was it was so remarkable to see somebody do what he was doing because they weren't pitching to him. There were times when he would go three days and he would not get one pitch to hit. And then they'd give him a pitch to hit and he wouldn't miss it. And that was what, so, what was so remarkable about that accomplishment. And, uh, and how mentally tough that he had to be in order to, to get through that. And he was driven. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He was driven. He was going to do this. And, uh, and then when the night when it happened and uh, at the ballpark, you know, they stopped the game and they, they showed Hank Aaron and he said, congratulations to the new home run king. Man, I tell you what, we, we were all up in the booth and nobody could talk. All right, we just had tears in our eyes. It's amazing how emotional we, we are 
as baseball fans about our game and about the, the accomplishments within the game. You know, when we're sitting here in an airport and there's a game on and it's the Dodgers, and obviously we want to see the Dodgers lose. Yes. But there's Kershaw on the mound and he's facing the, the Rockies and he's got a no-hitter going. Guess what? We were rooting for him to do it. I mean, it's just how our minds are set as, as baseball players. And uh, even for guys you don't want to root for, uh, whether they be on your rival team or whether, they, whether they're perceived to be the bad guy, everybody, they stop what they're doing and they pay attention. And, uh, and, and I think that's what binds us all together. I, and I love that bond with, with all of our, of all of our baseball fans, you know, Barry Bonds, he was the bond and in, in, in 2001, he was the bond uh, through much of his career. Controversial, obviously, but uh, we got to watch them all. And man, I tell you what, it was fun. It was exciting, and we'll never see it again. Absolutely. Yeah, I get what you're saying about that bond right now. I mean, I would kill to just watch a Dodgers Rockies game. Doesn't have to be Giants. <laughs> Give me a game. <laughs> you know, I, I and you know they they're thinking this thing through. It's funny they're get kind of getting to the nuts and bolts of this whole thing. They're gonna pipe in music. They're going to put uh, some, some, you know, something in the stands. We're watching the Korean baseball and they're putting uh, stuffed animals or, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> blow up dolls. I mean, they've been pretty creative as to what they're doing. They actually, actually have uh, put pictures of their season ticket holders in their seats, like big cardboard cutouts. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. So, you know, I, I, I agree with you, man. We're that close. We're, we're, it's going to get done. I don't know when. We're frustrated it hasn't happened sooner, but when it happens, it's going to be a glorious day. Yeah, if you know somebody at the Giants, you can let them know I will be like a fan body double if they <laughs> put me anywhere. You can put me in the bleachers. I, I don't care. <laughs> well, you know, you have you can't move. And you have to think like you're a cutout doll. So, I mean, you know. I think I can do are it. Are you up for it? Yeah, I'm, I'm game. I'm super game. Carmen can barely not cheer in the press box. I don't, <laughs> don't start with me on that. <laughs> you know what god bless her for it you know just think about what we've been through together as giants fans in the last 10 years this is pretty remarkable and because of that you know this family's pretty tight speaking of these uncertain times and i was just thinking about where i would have been at this time i would have been at the ballpark listening to you and Dwayne probably yelling at tito in the press <laughs> dining area I miss all of that. So what do you, what do you miss most about going to the yard? Well, just that, I mean, the, the pregame, and it's going to be different when we all get back together because we won't be allowed on the field. We won't be allowed in the clubhouse. Um, and those two things you take, I mean, those are two big parts of our day. But then when we finally get back up to the press box and, and where the booth is, you know, we all see each other and everybody's got their tables they sit out and everybody's got their, little clicks and whatnot, and everybody socializes. But everybody looks out for each other. Everybody looks at it as, as to, how's Tito walking today? How am I walking today? You know, it, it's, it's just a, what families do, and, uh, and that's what you miss. You miss a good laugh that you share in the press room uh, with everybody. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I mean, you check out what everybody has on, what they're wearing. I mean, it's like walking through the halls of high school. It's pretty cool about that. You know, we have uh, – the interaction is what we miss. And, uh, and I love that about baseball. It's an everyday sport, just like school was. 
It wasn't so much of an everyday sport, though, back in 81, where we're kind of experimenting the same situation. Obviously, it's two different things, but you were a player for the clubs at, uh, for the Cubs at that time. What was the lockout like during then, and how does it compare to what we're dealing with with the situation with the players and the owners right now? Very similar, very similar. Uh, we were in complete limbo uh, when we went out on strike. Um, they the player association said, do not work out. It puts a lot of pressure on the owners because if you don't work out, it's going to take you longer to get going. They want to get the season back up. A lot of pressure on the owners to do that. I didn't listen to it. I worked out and, and you know, because I knew we weren't going to have a long time, but we had like five days to assemble and we played a home and away with the White Sox. I was with the Cubs at the time. And, uh, and then my, I was the guy I opened it up and uh, you know, I think I pitched six, I pitched in the seventh inning. I think I, I forget, but I was ready to go. And uh, you could tell the guys who had done their homework and you told, and you could tell the guys who didn't do their homework. And very much like today, we didn't know when the game was going to reconvene, if it was going to reconvene. So you were in limbo. You were working out for nothing. You didn't really know how to pace yourself and how to do it. And uh, everybody had their own method of, of trying to prepare for it. But it beat you up mentally. It, it beat you up mentally because, you know, when you are an athlete, schedules mean so much to you. You schedule yourself physically, but you schedule yourself mentally as well. And um, hang on, I got to turn my timer off. Okay. Uh, but that was one huge similarity in 81. We were 51 days with it. And when uh, we got back to work, I had 500 bucks left in the bank. I didn't have enough money for rent. I didn't know where the hell I was going to get that from. <laughs> but you, you just, you know, and these guys, I mean, nobody wants to hear any hardship that a player is going through right now. They don't want to hear it. But believe me, these guys are, are struggling. Uh, they want to get back. They want to play. So the similarity in that regard is, uh, is very strong. Also, we were the bad guys in 81. The players were the bad guys. There's no good guy at all. Owners, players, the perception that the, the public has to both sides right now, they're, they're not happy with, with, with baseball. They're not happy with owners. They're not happy with players. So, you know, th there's a similarity there in that when, once you – make everybody in the baseball world aware that it's a business and not a sport. It's never well received. And unfortunately it is a business. And unfortunately you have to negotiate a player's, a player's agreement, um, the basic agreement every six years. So, you know, it's just one thing you have to put up with. We had a pretty good in Bud Selig's tenure as, as commissioner. I know he was the commissioner when they went out in 94 tragic mistake. But after that, it was uninterrupted. We didn't have to deal with this for the longest time. And uh, these players playing today, none of them were playing in 94. So this is all new to every guy in uniform today. So it's a lot of similarities, none of them good. Yeah, well, one thing that, you know, we might be not be able to count on a season this year, but one thing you can always count on is your partner, Dwayne Kuyper. And he's got a very special milestone coming up. He's turning 70 years old, 70 years young, right? And, there we go. Uh, nice save. <laughs> right. 70 years young. And, you know, I think the relationship y'all have together is special to you guys, but almost even more special, I feel like, to the fans. Absolutely. Fans love seeing you guys together. They love understanding the special bond y'all have. And I guess, like, the question I would like to ask is, what is your favorite Dwayne Kuyper story? Well, oh my God, I, where do I start? <laughs> uh, 
I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the story that uh, um, I told today and I, I sent it to uh, Cole and Dannon for uh, the birthday party tomorrow. Should I tell that story, Cole? Go for it. Let's do it. Well, it's the one that's, you know, it, it, it was like 10 or 15 years ago. You have to know that uh, Dwayne and his brother, Jeff, who's our producer, um, the first thing that they look for when the, uh, when there's a, I, I should save this for tomorrow. I should save it for tomorrow. You guys have some good ones. You got, you guys rollerblading through Oasis. Well, you got well. the banjo story. All right, we'll talk about rollerblading. Let's go. Kai comes up with rollerblades. He says, you got to do rollerblades. I go, eh, I'm 48 years old. I don't need to be doing rollerblades. He goes, no, it's, it's easy. Yeah, I can do it. So we go into Chicago, and uh, we're looking at all the people on Lakeshore Drive, and they're all rollerblading. And uh, it looks like it's unbelievable fun. So it's like, yeah, I used to roller skate. I can do that. Skateboard. Yeah, I can do this. So we go out, 930, wake up. We go out. We go to Sports Authority, and I get a pair of rollerblades. And then from there, we went right to, and this hoax at 945, we we're strapping them on right there at Lakeshore Drive. And 955, I'm laying face down with a broken <laughs> rib on the sidewalk there uh, along Lakeshore Drive. I took a fall. I mean, I couldn't even get my hands down in time. So, so you know, Kipe, you know, he got me back up. Now we're turning back and we got to go back. You got to rollerblade back. I mean, there's no cab that can pick you up on the on the on the path there on Lakeshore Drive and I'm just scuffling I can hardly breathe so I get back and I'm miserable and I, I just vow that you know I'm never doing this again well we have to go to the bus we got a game that night so I get on the bus and I'm just you know I'm I'm it's tough to breathe and whatnot <laughs> we get in the bus and we're going down Lakeshore Drive and we go right by the spot where I fell and Dwayne Kuyper had taken tape and he did a homicide tape body right where I went down on the path. And that's what everybody on the team saw. And everybody knew that I had made a fool of myself on the skateboard path in Chicago. And now it doesn't end there because that was 15 years ago. Every year that we went by that spot in Chicago, he went back out and re-put the tape on there just so I would be reminded. <laughs> Cole, I'm starting to see where you get your um, charming personality from when you just to make fun of us all the time. Yeah. Well, yeah he's such that. a hemorrhoid. But that's why I love him. That's why he's just, uh, he's, you know, he makes me laugh hard every day. By the way, we did, I did learn how to rollerblade. And that's one thing we did. We took a suitcase with us for like five years, an extra suitcase. And in it, and all of our rollerblade stuff, we'd do Central Park in New York. Up in Montreal, they had a great, uh, path that uh, was uh, alongside a river for 20 kilometers and uh, it was just so cool so I mean we had our own spots Milwaukee had a great a great venue every town did so it, it became a big part of our lives but I'll never forget my partner who will never let me forget that I was not a good rollerblader on day one fantastic an awesome story I, I can't story. stop picturing Dwayne on rollerblades and it's really just making my my whole day, to be honest. We'll bring that Carmen, back. Carmen, that's why we call him Smoothie. He was doing figure eights, and he looked like uh, he 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 looked like uh, he looked like he was on the ice capades, I and mean, he looked like an Olympic skater. That like pissed me off because I never got as good as him. So you think he set you up so he, you could look really bad, and he could just be Smoothie? 
Oh, no, he, he practiced for at least a, a month before he dropped it out on me. You know, he was not ever going to look like he was an A-ball guy. He was going to look like a big leaguer when he got on him. <laughs> me, I had to look like the A-ball guy. Oh, oh yeah, he used to bomb down our hill we lived on, and rather than hit the brakes, he'd just dive into someone's lawn, and you'd see, like, muddy <laughs> body prints as you drove down our hill. Well, that, that was his whole signature as a player. I mean, he played baseball Laid at second out. base, and he dove every night. He would dive for foul balls in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So the second question I wanted to ask you about, Dwayne, and maybe you got him rollerblades for, for a gift at some point, but I just want to know what's the best thing you've ever gotten Dwayne for his birthday? Oh, the best thing we ever got him was an iPad because he was like, nah, he was not going to get into it at all. He was stubborn. He had his method he had his ways and uh, a lot of them were the the ways to prepare for a game uh, that Hank Greenwald had ta taught us and those things have been around for 30 years right well I got an iPad and it was it was awesome I was like oh my god this changes everything right you need to get one no I don't want one so Jennifer and I got him one for his birthday and that was it man a star was born now he's on like his 12th iPad <laughs> He doesn't, I mean, that's that he's on that iPad 10 hours a day. Oh my goodness. Oh, can you yeah. confirm that? You can oh yeah. He tries to FaceTime me and I don't even have an iPhone. <laughs> and he's mad when you don't pick up. Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Well, I'm going to toss it to Cole because we want to see how well you know your partner. Yeah. We're going to play a quick newlywed game style, uh, style little fun activity. Mike, I asked my dad a bunch of questions about you and I want you to guess what his answer was. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. First off, what does Kipe think your favorite restaurant in San Luis Obispo was? The Firestone Grill. You know what? He gave me two answers, but he actually landed on Moe's instead. Well, I said Firestone Grill because I know that's your favorite. That is my favorite. Correct. <laughs> But Moe's, Moe's is tough to beat. Now, they have Crook's chips at Moe's. They do. You got an item on the menu named after you. What? What kind of chips are they? Well, the guy who was my dear friend, Larry Kowalski, who was an enormous Giants fan, he, uh, he opened up Moe's. And uh, when we, as a team, went into Cincinnati every year, one of the places we used to go to was Montgomery Inn. And they would take – and they'd make their own potato chips, deep fry them, and then they had their sauce for – the potato chips are the best potato chips I've ever had. So I, I just told him about this. And I come back to, he, come on into the uh, restaurant. I went back there like two days later and he wanted me to taste them. And they were like, oh my God, these are better than Montgomery Inn. And they're still there. Larry passed away, unfortunately, but uh, the, uh, the chips live. And most, as far as I know, is going strong. That's right. All right, question two. What does Dwayne Kuyper think your favorite road trip is? What city? My favorite road trip? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a tough question. Because if I don't say Milwaukee, <laughs> he's going to hate me. He didn't go with Milwaukee. Okay. Well, then it, it, it's got to be uh, Chicago. It is Chicago. Good answer. And he even didn't with even the mention tape? the rollerblades. Even with the homicide tape, it's still your favorite? <laughs> well, you know, I got to play in Chicago. And I had never lived in the Midwest. I didn't have any idea what the Midwest was all about. And uh, it, it is – but everybody should have the fortune to live in the Midwest at least a year in their life. Cause it changed my life. And I've always loved Chicago. Um, question three, 
What does Kipe think your favorite away press box food is? What stadium? Philadelphia. Philly it is. Frankie Two Scoops? Oh. Well, Frankie Two Scoops was a guy that did served ice cream, but they had this guy who, uh, for whatever reason, man, he had this – he had this wound. <laughs> he had, yeah, I don't even know what it was, but he had like this gauze pad that he put on his head every day. This was for four years. <laughs> and every time he'd bend over to pick up the, the tray to, you know, cause he was a busser and he was about 75 years old. He would bend over and the gauze pad would flap open like this. And then it would flap like this. So Kite called him head wound Harry. <laughs> and he forever became known as Head Wound Harry. Oh and, uh, but, I mean, there was, like, every character that you could have possibly – that's the greatest thing about Philly. The people have been working there, like, fifth generational. And you know these people. And every year you come back in and you find out who made it through the winter. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but Head Wound Harry was a favorite of ours. So it was a very entertaining press room. Plus, I, I played in Philly, and I knew all these people and loved them. Oh, awesome, my goodness. Awesome. Well, Teresa and I had a chance to go to Philly last year and I was in the press dining room and I was like having a cow because there was like ice cream to service. They had like some sort of like lobster or seafood. I can't even remember. It was like seafood pasta. And I was like, this is not how they do it at Oracle. Okay. This is, I'm not used to this service. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's it's, how they convinced Bryce Harper to go there over San Diego. Media dining room. Plus, they have cheesesteaks there. Come on. Yeah. All right, Mike, and last question. Which of the three World Series does Dwayne Kuyper think is your favorite? Oh, my favorite. Well, Bumgarner for 2014. I mean, that to me was the most macho starting pitcher World Series. Well, in modern times, I mean, you go back to Jack Morris or you go back to, to Mickey Lulich and, uh, I mean – it was his, it was his, he put that ring on our finger and it was amazing. So that's going to always be my favorite. And that was the answer. He said he, he kind of debated uh, 2012 because of all the elimination games, but he knew you as a, as a pitching guy would land on Bumgarner in the end. Yeah. I'll never forget that, but uh, yeah, that, that's mine. 2014. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> Sounds like to me, you guys won the newlywed game. So congratulations. You guys are <laughs> you guys did better than uh, Pablo and Hunter because we did this with Pablo too. So apparently well, you guys are more. We've been together for 40 right. years, so a little bit different. We have an edge. Yeah, uh, that's I, true. I hope to one day know my wife as well as you know, Kite, but I don't think I'm going to get there. I don't, I don't <laughs> think I'm ever. Well, he's my road wife, and, uh, you know. <laughs> I, I, but I do insist that he cut his toenails. It's starting to wear me out a little bit. Because <laughs> he tells everybody we spoons. It Hell yeah. yeah. But hey, listen, I got to go check my, I got something, it's, I can smell it's burning. Yeah. Do your thing. We're done. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. And hopefully we'll be able to hear your voice soon when baseball comes back. Yeah, we yeah we're going to be back soon, you guys. Thanks for having me and, uh, and love to all. You're the best. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. See you, Chris. See you guys.